that would agree with me that all, although I'm all about being comfortable, being comfortable is not worth missing his glory. Even though I'm not all about breaking up a sweat, it's not worth missing his glory. Even though I'm wearing some good shoes, they're not worth missing his glory. I hope there would be a couple of us together that would agree together that no matter what it is that's in my mind that tells me I cannot or that I should not, it's never worth missing his glory. So I've decided in my heart that with everything I have, I'm going to give it up to him because he's worth Because he's the same God. Because he's worthy of glory. Why don't we lift our voices to it? He's worthy of our best. And there's nothing in this life. There's nothing in this world that's worth missing his glory.
gate, thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. The light shall shine upon thy ways. Malachi 3 8, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? Ties and offerings. Upon the authority of your word I have given, and it shall be given unto me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I am a tither, and I bring my tithe and offering to thee into your storehouse. Therefore the enemy is rebuked, and the curse is broken. And I live under an open heaven, and you pour out upon me such a blessing that there is not enough room to receive it. We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritances, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished, and royalties received. My whole family saved and walking with God, perfect health and abundance to walk in divine favor and blessing. I am blessed going in. I am blessed going out, and all that I do will prosper in Jesus' name. Together we say amen. Why don't we lift our hands, lift our hearts, and let's me and you decide whether or not we're going to give him everything he's worth. Why don't we bless his name together?
Savior, that the hand of God is going to rest on individuals here. You've excluded yourself from miracles, from peace, from direction, no matter how many times it's been preached here, how many times you've come to the altar when the man of God said that there's peace here. I believe that you can leave here with that peace. You can leave here with that infirmity not going home with you. Let this be that last time. If you gave up last time, just one more time, with our hands lifted, with our minds open, maybe it's not the will of God that I have to live with this infirmity. Maybe it's not the will of God that my family's going to be in disarray for the rest of this time. Maybe this is the time that with my hands lifted, with my faith lifted, that God is
Kings chapter 3 and I want to start with verse 14 and Elisha said as the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand surely 
were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. I would not look toward thee nor see thee. Elisha is speaking to the king of Israel, Joram. He said, I'm not, I'm not even considering you in my presence. But Jehoshaphat causes me to consider. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass that when the minstrel played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Elisha, thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water. And that ye may drink, both ye and your cattle and your beast. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites under your hand. I want to preach tonight from a simple, simple title, thought, target. Prepare the blessings coming. Prepare the blessings coming. Lift your hands one more time and ask God to talk to us. I thank you for your word and your presence. Only your word can do the work that needs to be done in this house tonight. Man cannot do it, God. You alone stand in the balances of God, your will being manifested. Let your word go forth with a clarity and understanding. Minister to the heart. Cut and divide anything that would oppose your word in our mind and heart. We pray it in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. There... There's a lot of reference in scripture about being prepared. There's a lot of reference that you and I have in the natural that we prepare for. But the element that God is trying to show us from these verses of scripture is that there is a great amount of effort that goes into preparing for what he has. Things like many of us think or, or, or uh, maybe the mindset of the world today is, is it just comes very easy. I remember uh, years ago a story, Brother Bushnell probably has heard this. It was a message that was preached, let it unfold. They wrote a book about it. It was, it was spoken or preached by um, Brother Von Martin was the, the man that wrote the book and the, the masterpiece uh, message and it was let it unfold. And the story behind it was, was the, the rose and how it takes time for the, the, the rose to uh, just unfold or it come to full blossom. And if you're not careful, if you pick at the tender petals of that rose, you will damage the flower. The moral or the point that he tried to drive home is some things that are so precious in me and your life. It takes time for it to unfold. He began to tell it in an illustrated form with a young evangelist that was there with him by the name of Ike Terry. And he began to tell him, I, uh, Brother Terry, I'm going to pick you up early tomorrow morning. And he said, I, I, we're going to go eat breakfast. And, and the story, and again, I'm not a, a great storyteller on some of these details, but he said they passed by, I think it was a home or, or something, uh, as they were passing by, and he, he turned to Brother Terry as they're driving, and he said, Brother Terry, you see that house? Do you see that picket fence there? He said, yes, sir, I do. He said, it takes a long time to get that fence. And they went on about the day, if I remember the story, and uh, happened again the next day. He picked him up again, and he said, 
Brother Terry, you see that house? Yeah, I do. He said it takes a long time to get that car that's parked there in that garage door. And they went on about the day. And, and they did it again, if I'm not mistaken. And, and the moral that he was trying to drive home to, to, to Brother Ike Terry was, is some things just don't happen overnight. It takes time to prepare and to make ready what it is that God has. You, this world set that, that has come even to the church, that things just happen overnight. And God can do those things. But more time than not, God is looking at me and you by our effort. What are we going to do to prepare by faith what God is going to bring to us? If God ever said that you and I is going to see the great miracle working power of Him working in our midst, then you and I better make room for because that's the plan and the will of God for you and I if God ever said your son and daughter's coming you better go get a new suit bought for them because there's coming a day they're going to need a new outfit to come to the house of God I've got to prepare because the blessing is coming let me let, let me get into the meat of this here and save us some time here Instead of me just kind of giving you a bunch of fluff to get us moving. The situation with Israel was at a very critical point. The transition had already taken place. Elijah done shifted to Elisha. And now the second generation's come up. Elijah had fought his battles. Elijah, Elijah has fought. His, his demonic onslaught through the hands of Jezebel and Ahab. The lackadaisical mindset of, of Ahab and the strong hand of manipulation from Jezebel literally threatening the prophet of God, Elijah. Now they've passed off the scene. Elijah is gone. And Elisha now is standing with the mantle of Elijah. I find it very amazing. This, this is just all precursor before this day. But before Elijah goes up into the heavens, all the schools of the, the school of the prophets are standing there. And there they're watching as Elijah goes on one side of the river. And as Elisha comes back over carrying the mantle of him, the school of the prophets said this to Elisha, let us go look for him. We'll go into the mountains to find him. There's a transition going on between these two generations. And it's the same thing right now. God is trying to transition the generations from one to the other. The same message would be applicable a hundred years ago. Or it's going to be applicable down the road. Every new generation has got to get a fresh revelation of who God is. And Elisha's standing there saying, don't go look for him. I saw him go up in the chariot. He's go he didn't even tell him that. He just said, don't go look. But yet they were bent on going to look for Elijah. Because they were on the other side of the, the river. They were not on the same side that he saw them go up. And Elisha's words was this. For I am ashamed of them. And what Elisha was saying, this is what I felt the Lord was telling me. I got my work cut out for me. Because you couldn't even perceive that I was moving in your midst. Elijah saw it 
And he was willing to cross over, but the school of the prophets weren't willing to cross over. They weren't willing to go that extra mile and invest the time and the effort to get a glimpse of something they've never seen before. And Elisha said, I'm ashamed. And they went looking and came back after three days, Brother Fontenot. And Elisha's response back, I told you you wouldn't find him. Because some people are just bent on doing it their way, Brother Fontenot. And God is raising up a generation in this end time. I, I know we got the Burger King mind mindset that's hit a lot of our young people and our young couples, but I'm seeing it in other places and I'm hearing it from other people that there's a group of young couples, a group of young people, a group of middle-agers that God is rising to an occasion for one reason. Hey, I've never seen what they're talking about from these pulpits. I've never seen the glory of God like I know can... Where's the elders that we used to talk about verbal being and Joe do and all the great men of God that God is not changed God's going to do the same thing again if he can find a people that's willing to prepare and dig the ditch let me paint the backdrop so Elijah is now in a, in a, in a quandary I got a job cut out for me just like us as a church we've got a job cut out for us we've got to show this world that what we have not tasted or seen as of yet is still as real as the oxygen that I breathe. Because everything under the sun, when you and I leave this building and we leave out from amongst each other, there's a battle coming against our mind and against our faith saying, that glory ain't never going to come. The heydays are far well over. You ain't never going to see those things. I hear to declare to this church and to this whole community that God is going to give us and is giving a revival. And I found that wherever you and I prepare, the blessing, the miraculous, the glory of God will feel. So Elisha's job is right before him. The king of Israel, Joram. Verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 3. The king of Israel rises to the occasion. But now here's the backdrop of this guy. You, you, you got, but we, can y'all just let me give you the backdrop without feeling like I'm losing you? King Joram was the son of Ahab and Jezebel. So what Elijah took care of, it comes back again in the next generation. He might have taken care of them naturally, but the seed was already put in the kid. And folks... We're dealing with a group of people that's coming in that they got seed in them that ain't of this word that we, we we're see we're, we're so blessed and we're so favored of God but they're coming in with a seed in them that came from a mom and a daddy that didn't believe it like you and I believed it. They, they, they weren't raised on a church pew. They weren't raised in the things that you and I have been raised in. They haven't heard the preaching that you and I have preached. So what does that make you and I do? Become fearful? No, no, no. Not on your life. I'm jumping to the end. I'm going to dig a ditch. Because if I prepare and I do what I need to do, God has a way of working that seed out of their heart and their spirit. And you got a Joram, a king of Israel. Notice it's very specific. The king of Israel that's got now. Bible said he didn't do nothing. He followed the ways. 
He might have pulled down Baal, but the Bible said he still had the sins of Jeroboam. You know what the sins of Jeroboam was? Folks, this is the harvest that we're dealing with now. You know what the sin of Jeroboam was? Jeroboam was the king that said, I tell you what, I'm going to make a place in Bethel and I'm going to make a place in Dan. And the people won't have to go to Jerusalem no more. You can just come worship here because it's more convenient for you to go to Dan and Bethel. And he made worship convenient. And what's happening to our church now? Fancier light shows. Fancier music. Fancier this. Fancier that. Why? We're trying to mask something that we don't have. But if we realize I've got the Holy Ghost and if I worship him with all of my heart in spirit and truth something will begin to happen he said he's got the sin of Jeroboam the sin of compromise you know how hard Brother Bush now you intensify you've been in churches you go in And you see the glazed look in the eyes of God's people. We we don't want to say it. But we have allowed the sin of Jeroboam to compromise our worship. Now again, tonight we didn't do that. So that's why I said y'all ought to be shouting with me right now just for that statement. We worship tonight. We, We ran and praised God. We can't ever lose that. I'm going to prove it to you by the end of this scripture. Or by the end of this message. And he had the sin. He had compromise within him. There was a seed in him that said, listen, it don't take all of that. You see why now my job sometimes hard and every pastor in North America, when he preaches praise, Brother Larry, he's preaching something at the... Now we've used the analogy You can shout at the ball game Or you can shout doing something else But you can't shout living for God Or coming to We in church How many times am I going to use it again Sunday, Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday About an hour and a half If he's not short winded or long winded But now here's what's happened Weariness has come on the people of God Weariness has come on our minds Weariness has come And not only with that But it's come under the banner of weariness But behind it is the sin of Jeroboam saying It don't take all of that Listen we've gotten this far Without doing all that We'll make it the rest of the way I'm here to defy that spirit By the name of the Lord Jesus It's only because you and I prepare I've got to give him my best worship now I don't care how weary I am I'm here on Sunday morning and night and Wednesday I've got to give him my best praise My best worship tomorrow may never come oh I I like y'all sitting right there I found me a new group to preach to I'm preaching to you compromise here was the dilemma sister April brother Daryl this guy has the sins of Jeroboam His daddy's dead. Daddy's gone. Elijah. Now watch. The preacher that fought the battles for him is gone. It would be like some of your mamas and daddies. Your daddy's gone. He's gone. 
He fought battles for you. He ain't here to fight them no more. Now you stepped up and you fight it now. See the transfer, the good transfer I'm talking about. And now this boy, he don't have an Elijah to fight the battle for him. He don't have the skills and the technique. I, I don't ever read nowhere, Brother Bush, now where Joram ever sat at the school of the prophets with Elijah and said, how do I learn spiritual warfare? I've heard people, well, man, I just don't know how to do spiritual warfare. You better learn or you're not going to make it. You say, well, you mean if I got the Holy Ghost? That's, I mean, I, you hear me. Spiritual warfare is all in the New Testament with Paul. That's all he talked about. I've used this in our Bible study. One component was God filling me. The next component was using what he gave me for twofold. One, I pray and intercede for the lost. But number two, I learned how to pick up a sword and I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of spiritual wickedness in high places. That's spiritual warfare. And this boy don't have somebody to teach him warfare. He had to learn what he had. My message ain't about Joram. It's painting him in a negative light is what I'm trying to do to some degree. But here's what happens. His daddy's gone. Elijah's gone. And the Bible says the Moabites heard there was a new king in town. And they rebelled. Here's the message to the whole thing, Brother Bush, now. What the previous generation put in jail, the next generation's got to keep them in jail. That's why you wonder sometimes why I start talking about all these things that have bound people. If we got victory over the things of the world 40, 50 years ago, they still work today. I'm not talking about putt-putt golf. I'm not talking about bowling. I'm talking about things that are detrimental to the soul and to the heart of a family. That's what I'm talking about. And if it worked back then, it's going to work now. And God's looking for people that's willing to say, God, I'll prepare. I don't know how they got to where they are, but I'm willing to pay the price in prayer. I'm willing to pay the price in fasting. I'm willing to pay the price in Worship and praise. And the Moabites rebelled because there's a new king in town. Moabites, where did they come from? Lot. What was Lot? Incestuous. Moab and Ammon. From an incestual, perverted there's a spirit of perversion that's been launched against the church. And we're looking at how we're going to do it. We're going to counsel them through it? Not on your life. Why do you think we got that? And I'm not against counselors. I thank God for them. I send as many people to a licensed counselor as I can. That's what they got the degree for. But there's going to come a point where the life and the, and the, the situation of humanity, man is not going to get it out. It's not going to come by some professional mindset that's going to bring them out and show them the ways of God. And Moab is loose now to come against him. Now watch what this fellow does. Jehoram. He calls his neighboring friend, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah and somebody should figure out where I'm going already I could dismiss right now Jehoshaphat brother Roy he did it right 
Not perfect. He did it right. He was pleasing unto the Lord. And isn't it funny how the one that didn't do it right and compromised called the one that did it right. You know what I'm trying to tell this church? We've held for holiness for a long time. We've held for righteousness for a long time. We've held to doing what's right for a long time. You hear me? There's coming a phone call from people that have said, you know what, fat meat ain't greasy like Jeff Arnold says. And this don't really matter. Holiness don't matter. Living like this really don't matter. There's going to come a phone call from some that are saying, I'm in a battle that I don't know what to do. I need somebody that held on to holiness. I need somebody that's held on to prayer. I need somebody that knows how to get a hold of God because I don't have it. Our revival ain't just coming from backsiders, Brother Mike. It's going to come from people that have walked away from this truth. I, I know there's an element of people. Bible talks about them deceiving themselves and then Satan deceiving them because of their rejection of truth. I got that. And that goes down the road of a reprobate mind. There's some that ain't never going to come back. I got that. That's God's department. But somewhere deep in my heart, Brother Mike, I feel there's some good people that have loved this truth, but they got disillusioned. They got all mixed up and confused. They let money become their God. They let popularity become their God. And they finally make a decision. I got to get back home because I'm losing the battle. That's right, ain't it? They're coming back. Oh, I feel that. Ooh. I feel a prophetic something moving. I've questioned it. I've questioned it. Y'all made me, y'all can tell I'm on this journey. So just, just tighten your seatbelts and, 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 and get a Coke. No, Dr. Pepper. It's come to my mind. God, kind of like Elijah sometimes. Is there any that hasn't bowed the knee to compromise? I'm not saying let's go against everything but oxygen. That is not what I am. I think you've heard my preaching long enough. How many times have I said God's not looking for perfection? He's just looking for somebody that says, just tell me what I can do, God, to please you. To that heart, heaven will forever be open. But I've seen people move and go down and, 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 and go to other. And I'm thinking, God, what's in their thinking? How can they go down to a more watered down truth? I mean, and really, folks, let's think about it real plain and simple. How much more less could God have asked? Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and live separate from the world. What do you mean separate? Don't smoke, don't dope, love people, don't go around in a Speedo bathing suit. Oh, don't tell me y'all been going around in Speedos. <laughs> my God, I, my mind just got con contaminated. <laughs> I'm going to reel some of y'all in one way or the other. Huh, Pop? <laughs> How hard is it? And when you look at the benefit and the blessing, 
Every battle I go to when I know my heart's right with God, I don't have to worry, am I going to get my head cut off? Am I going to lose my kids? Am I going to lose my future grandkids? Am I going to lose any? Uh-uh-uh. God's going to still help me because I know my heart hasn't condemned me. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm trying to pray every day. I'm trying to pray fervently every day. I'm trying to live sacrificially every day. And if I do my part and dig the ditch, then God's going to provide everything. Every bit of substance I need. So he got with Jehoshaphat. He got with the one that wasn't perfect, but held to God's truth, Brother Dustin. And here's what happens, Brother Mike. I've seen this in my short 30 years of living for God I get to talking to people witnessing to them or come in contact with a man of another faith and there's a point that he's hungry and I respect that and I reach for him do everything I can but I've had times brother Bushnell that they weren't hungry they were piggybacking off my anointing You say, well, man, that's arrogant of you. No, it's not. You have an anointing on your life. And if you're not careful, the people you keep running with is going to suck you dry. They're sucking you off your prayer life. They're sucking off of your living with God. They're sucking off of, you say, well, man, I thought we were supposed to be selfless. There comes a point you've got to cut your losses. And he goes to Jeroboam and says, hey, I need to go to battle. The Moabites, my thinking of Jeroboam was, this ain't my battle. Now get this, a year earlier, Jera, Jehoshaphat went to battle, Brother Charlie, against Moabite and the Ammonites, and he whipped them. Here it is, I done fought my battles. You say, well, man, you ain't too Christian-y. No. I just, I've done being, I, I got a t-shirt from the last one, and we won. But Jehoshaphat didn't do that. He said, I'll tell you what, we're going to go to battle. That's all right. And you think I'm being harsh. You need to read the rest of that story when Elisha gets there. He said, I don't even want to look at Joram. So I'm not being unkind. You, I'm trying to paint a picture to you how God sees an uncomp, a compromiser, but yet God looks at an uncompromiser. One that's willing to say, you know what, God, I've paid a price and I haven't seen the miracle, but I'm not going to settle for anything less now. I'm not going to let the intensity of my prayer begin to wane now. I'm going to hold to what's true and what's right, and I'm going to be faithful to the end. And it didn't stop. It didn't stop there. He said, go to Edom and get them too. So now I got three kings. I got a compromiser. I got one trying to do right. And I got a king from the Edomites. Edom is the descendants of Saul. Profane. Have no boundaries at what they'll do. And you got Jehoshaphat now right in the middle of all of them. Flesh. Deception. And one trying to do right. Folks, this is where the church is today. We got flesh all around us and our life is trying to juggle 
do I, do I reach into this? Many people, I said, the, I, I used the analogy before. I, I've seen this with people that their kids are on drugs. Sometimes not reaching for them is the answer. I'm going to give you a story. I was going to use it this morning, but it fits right now. You go read in Matthew where it talks about the woman that lost the coin. She swept till she found the coin. It was lost by neglect. Then the next, in that same chapter, the next story was there was an old shepherd that lost a, a sheep. A sheep. And Shep went looking for the sheep. Why? Because it wandered off because of the neglect. So I got a sheep neglected. I got a coin lost because of just a mishap. And in the third story there, Brother Mike Smith, is what we call the prodigal. The word prodigal ain't there. It's the rebellious son. And here's the story. That rebellious son left the house and went and rebelled. And the father never went looking for the boy. So what's the moral of the story? When something happens because of mishap, you go looking for them. If you let say, if something happens because of neglect, you go looking for it. But when somebody leaves in rebellion, you better be careful you're looking for them. And I feel some of our frustration is we're reaching for somebody that even you with a golden tongue and in money, whatever you want to promise them, it ain't never going to change that heart. It's going to take a day where they're eating in the pig pen and they're going to come to their senses. That's why I'm telling you, there's a day the backsliders going to come home. They're going to come to their senses. And it's not because of a fancy preacher in Indian Village. It's not going to be because of a great building in Indian Village. And it's not going to be because of great saints in Indian Village. It's going to be because God... Got a hold of a heart that was willing to let God move on it. And we as the church are in the middle of a battle. Flesh is pulling me, Joe. And compromises is pulling me on the other side. And I'm a Jehoshaphat. You're a Jehoshaphat. This church is a Jehoshaphat. We're not perfect, but we're trying to do everything that we know to do right. Is that a good backdrop? Now, my last or big point. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, says, hold on. You want to go to battle. Isn't it funny where the answer came from? Praise I'm telling you, I'm going to preach it till my tonsils are bloody. Because I know that if I can praise him, my victory is going to be in praise. And that thing wants to lock some of you down, wants to lock us down and say it don't matter. We, just as much as I talked about compromising on the thing. See, you come to holiness, but well, we'll fight that. But what about the element of holiness of praise? We got holiness down on these other cues. We got all that down. We won't smoke, drink, and we, we won't wear Speedos, and we got all that down. But yet, we won't express ourselves in praise. We won't express ourselves in a way to show God, God, I need you today. I say it again. If somebody kicked you in the shin, you're going to scream out, ouch, or something's going to come out of you and I. 
We can't ever lose the dimension of praise that brings something from the heavenlies into our church that don't come by a fancy song and it don't come from... Why? What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying revival is going to only come because the saints have decided I'm going to find whatever it is God's asking me to do and I'm going to do it with all of my heart. King of Israel didn't have the answer. The king of Judah prays, said, let's go get Elisha. And they go get Elisha. See, isn't it funny how preparation, what did Isaiah 40 and 3 say? Prepare ye the way of the Lord. For there's one coming. That was a prophecy given to the children of Israel. If you prepare, he's coming. Sometimes you got to make a way. Let's go to John chapter 7 where he went to the pool of Siloam and he said, you better wash. And then he received his sight. Sometimes you got to make a way. Then there's other times in life you're going to go have to wash that you're going to see. Let's go to the third one, John chapter 9 or 11, where it's Lazarus's tomb and the rocks there. And they said, or it was response back to them, said, move the stone and then he's coming out. Some things you got to move out of the way. I'm messing up a good message, but I'm going to preach it anyhow. You got to make a road for God to get where you are. And praise is how that road is made. You got to make a way and move some things out of the way. You got to wash some things out of the way. And praise is what makes a way for God to come where you are. Prepare move the rock there'll be a miracle go wash prepare and you can see make a way move junk out of the way out of the road and he'll come prepare the message over and over and over hear me preparing is not just building a building preparing is not just building a building that we can come to that's a great accomplishment and a great feat. But once that's done, if we're experiencing a drought in our family, in our home, in our prayer life, in our walk with God, somewhere in all of this, I better prepare. See, Joram had enough, the king of Israel, to know I've got to associate myself with somebody that knows what to do. That's why I tell these young couples, you associate with somebody that's a fervent, effectual prayer warrior. You associate yourself with, with, with a family in this church that has had proven they know how to live for God. They're faithful. They demonstrate the things of God. That's who you associate yourself with. I've noticed it many times. We've got new converts come and they associate with somebody that very dark, very rarely darkens a prayer room. What kind of example are we giving our new converts? Oh, I'm nudging up with something right now. I want to be positive. Where is Norman when I need him? Norman Vincent Peel, the power of positive thinking. I want to associate myself with people that when I go to battle, they've done battled some things, and I got a pretty good shot at coming out of this. 
I'm not going to associate myself with somebody that really don't know how to pray a whole lot and don't really know how to call down the fire of heaven. And you think about it right now. Why do we put all them names up on the board? Because somebody has said, that church knows how to pray. It's the same thing individually. You and I need to find people that know how to pray and say, you know what? I'm joining with you in prayer. I'm going to see some things I've never seen before and I believe this is the day, this is the hour. That's digging the ditch. That's preparing. That's making room for something that you and I have never experienced before. I'm going to the close. And Jehoshaphat says, call for the man of God. The man of God comes. When the man of God gets there, Brother Dale, Brother Roy, the man of God, Joram goes, not Jehoshaphat. And Joram stands in front of the man of God, Elisha, and he looks at him. And the man of God says, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this because of my faithful. I'm doing this because of the ones that have stood the test of time that has never given up and thrown in the towel. See, I'm telling you, there's a day that is already upon us for the church. That those that have been faithful in righteousness and living for God, God is fixing to bring some water for you and I. That we're tired and we're frustrated and we're parched and we're weary and we feel dehydrated and we're weak in our faith. And we think, God, I don't know what else I can do. I'm telling you today, if you and I can manage just one more shovel load of dirt and push something out, God's able to bring you water that's going to refresh your soul and refresh your heart and refresh your family. We sang it tonight. Do we really believe it? If God parted a Red Sea back then, then God can make a way today. If God fed them with manna and quail, then God can make a way for you and I today financially. I'm closing. He said, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for Jehoshaphat. And that old prophet said, get me the minstrel. Get me somebody to begin to play. Because the prophetic's fixing to start moving. And here's what he says. He didn't tell him the how, the what, the where. He said, in this valley you're in, you need to dig ditches. Now, I'm no seismic, what you call them people that do ground stuff? Seismograph. And then what's that other fellow that shoots them little through that scope thing? Surveyor. I ain't no surveyor. But now, when you get in a valley, you're already pretty low. Ooh, you're already as low as you're going to go. And God comes in and says, dig deeper. Has anybody other than this preacher say, God, I'm in a valley that I don't know if I'm ever going to come out of it. And God slips up on your side and says, dig a little deeper. I need you to dig ditches. Now, I've dug some ditches in my time. I've dug them with that, what you call that little narrow shovel, that little toe pick, shoe pick, sharpshooter. I've dug some ditches, them four-foot ditches where you got to lay conduit. Dug it all by myself. About good, I don't know, long, long way. And I just kept a digging. Now here's my analogy, and here's what the Holy Ghost spoke to me, Brother Joe. I sweated. I bent my back. I was laid up for probably a day after that because I was so wounded from my back. 
but I did it for my family. Now, I'm speaking a red bone, hardworking men tonight. How many ditches have we dug in the natural and sweated our clothes down like I've done almost here tonight? With every fiber in your body, you've dug that ditch for the natural. And God's calling us as a church to work in the spirit as hard as we've worked in the natural. Don't tell me I can go out there and work till there ain't nothing. I, I, I'm telling you, sweat it down to nothing, Brother Forrest. And then come into the house of God and I barely can give God an amen. God is asking us to dig ditches deeper than we've ever dug them before. I've used this analogy before, but I'll say it again. When I worked in San Francisco, I walked amongst them skyscrapers, Sister Gail, and I watched the hole. The hole went down three stories, Brother Darrell. They went so deep, they found an old Viking ship buried in the soil of San Francisco right on the shore. They had to call in archaeologists. Everybody was mad because they shut down the job because it meant something. And they dug so deep. And I asked one old boy one time building one of these big old skyscrapers. I said, man, that's awfully deep. He said, the higher we go, the deeper we got to dig. And here's we've, the, the, what's coming against the church is this. Shallow Christianity. Come on, somebody. Help me right now. I'm trying to be positive. Shallow that I just give just a little bit. Eh, eh, Brother Ewan used to say it like this. You can't dig very deep with a sharp shovel. And God's saying, take away the sharp shovel and the little toe shoot, whatever that thing's called, and grab a big old shovel and let's start digging ditches everywhere we can. Why? Because God's fixing to send something to us that we've been waiting for. It's going to be a work of the miraculous. And it's going to bring in what you and I couldn't bring in on our own. Who digs in a valley the natural thing is the water goes to the valley. But God says, no, here it is, ma'am. This is what I love about this story. God didn't send rain. And I've preached heaven's rain, heaven's rain, heaven's rain, heaven's rain. But what God's going to do in this end time, Brother Bushnell, as I said, we're Jehoshaphat. And we are surrounded by Jehoram. And we're surrounded by the king of Edom. But in all of this, what God's going to do for Jehoshaphat and for the people of God that have been faithful, it's going to be a, a rain that ain't going to come from up here. It's going to come like a rushing river that's going to flow through our congregation. That's why I'm going to keep preaching it. Whatever addiction may be on people, just because I haven't seen it. God's going to send a river. Musicians come. I'm closing. He didn't send rain. Brother Daryl. It came. Oh it may have came over in the mountains. But it didn't come on them. And God is going to move. For our families. In this end time. In a way that's never been moved far before. It's never happened like this before. I had another one come up to me tonight. Give me a dream they had. 
said Brother Benoit I walked out over here and that was totally enclosed and people were running and shouting I walked into the sanctuary it wasn't the sanctuary no more it was a bigger building and it was full to capacity see folks you don't know the prophecies that God's given me you don't know the things that God's told me in the three years that I've been here of what God wants to do here I'm not trying to preach you a tin can sermon off of sermon.com I'm trying to challenge you and I that if you're tired and weary I get it you're in the valley I'm right there with you and I'm fighting the beast of the valley and the beast of the wilderness but you hear me if I can dig a little bit deeper in the valley there's coming a flow of water that's going to sustain my family it's going to sustain your family it's going to sustain the revival that God's got stand with me I know uh, revival ain't coming revival's here I was reluctant to call it this but I felt it so strong and I feel the reason I felt it is such is because we are partaking please hear me can I talk to us as a church I'm closing Sister Debbie and the Clifton we have reached it's in every church you, you hear it they reach that number mark Ever, for some reason it's numbers we hit 200. We hit 300. Man, I just couldn't break the 300 mark. Brother Bushnell, I don't know how. I just, it just wears me out hearing him say all that. Who cares? I thank God, Sister Linda, for the numbers you give me. But you know what? My faith ain't dictated on the number you give me. You give me a number and, man, Easter, we had 200. And the next Easter, we got 150. You ain't going to find me down there at the local bar stressing and drinking it up because I'm stressed. Thank you, Brother Charlie. I knew you would. I don't care because this is God's deal. I'm called just to preach the word, love his people, do what he's called me to do. You're called to do the same thing. Declare the word, love the people. And if we do that, huh, Brother Charlie? Everything. Is there anybody here tonight? I just want to dig it a little deeper. Maybe I haven't been fasting. Folks, I'm telling you, we've reached a place in the spirit. It's going to take a deeper dig to go to the next level. And I know, again, that's why I use the numbers analogy. Many people want to use it. ain't about the numbers. It's spiritual dimensions. This is what's messed up the church. We put it in numbers, and then when so-and-so don't show up, our faith crashes. It ain't got nothing to do with it. Here's spiritual dimensions. When you walk in the door and you feel like you're this high in mud, and you see musicians up here going, and it ain't really moving, what do we do? I'm praise. I'm going to dig a little deeper. I'm going to dig when it don't feel good. I'm going to fast when I don't want to fast. Come on, is there anybody ready to say, God, I'm ready to go to the next? I feel in the Holy Ghost, God's wanting to move us now very quickly. You say, Benoit, my Lord, if you go any quicker, you're going to give me whiplash. You need to hear me. There's a reason God put me here. And me going quick and pushing with everything that I have, there's a reason that this is happening like this. 
This ain't just my personality. I'm quirky and weird and things pop out. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It's more than that, Brother Daryl. God is moving now on the saints of God and you're feeling a push that when we go to that prayer room, it's got to be more than just a thing I do on Sunday, but I'm ready to dig a little bit deeper to see. And the water came and when the water began to flow, they were all sustained and Moab suffered another defeat. That spirit of perversion got defeated Spiritual perversion births mortal perversion. And wherever there's spiritual perversion, there's going to be a lawlessness that's going to flow. I don't know about you tonight, but I'm ready to dig a ditch as deep as I can because I'm ready to see my family come. I'm ready to see this community come. I'm ready to see kinder, see a revival that they haven't seen in 60, 70 years, even before the days of Brother Clark. I'm ready to see a revival come to Kinder. That old 190 that used to shake because the power of God would move from Elton all the way down to Starts. I'm ready for that. Can God do it again? Yes, He can. Stretch your hands to heaven. Come on, dig tonight. Come on, let God search your heart. God's calling us into deeper prayer. Doc Hughes is coming. He's going to talk about relationships. Relationship with God. That's the greatest relationship we could ever have. Let's dig now. Get ready. Come on, lift your voice right now. Dig. You don't need a sword. Dig with a shovel. Dig in the spirit. Dig to go to that dimension. God will get a hold of that rebellious son or daughter. And what you waited for will come to pass. There's victory. There's victory here today. Come on, just stretch your hands to the heavens right now. There's something that's moving right now. There's a current of the Spirit that's moving in this altar right now. It's coming one from another. 